This is a Counterspin Media presentation. Presenting Samantha Edwards Reports. Report number six. Let him through. Brett Powers' story. I know the corruption that Pfizer did on this country and the innocent people. That uh, have been dealt to. Excuse me. But I know that it will come out. So um, that's why I did what I did. Thanks for joining me today as I talk with yet another truly inspirational New Zealander, a man who's just come out the other side of a significant court battle as part of his fight for truth and justice in this nation. I'll be playing some leaked audio clips from the court hearing that took place as a result of this altercation in just a few minutes. If you were at Parliament on the second day of the occupation back in February 22, you might remember this altercation and you might also remember this guy, a man by the name of Brett Power. Here he is being arrested on February the 9th 2022 for attempting to walk up to Parliament to deliver court documents to one of the ministers. And here he is outside the related court hearing which concluded on the 19th of July 2023. Let's go back to around four months before the Parliament occupation began. Brett Power already understood then that there was something very wrong with the COVID narrative, and in particular, with the bioweapon cloaked as a vaccine. So he decided to dedicate himself to scouring the Pfizer clinical trials documents and to taking a good hard look at the data within them, poring over more than 100 pages of Pfizer injuries. Brett's a professional engineer whose job is literally about finding mistakes in documents, so he was well qualified to take this on and to then be able to interpret his findings. That was his job. Fast forward to one week before the occupation at Parliament began, by this time, Brett had well and truly concluded that there was some very damaging and very important information in those documents and that our government appeared to be ignoring that and charging ahead with getting as much of the so-called vaccine into as many people as possible as quickly as possible. It appeared that they were either unaware or blatantly ignoring the mortal risk that this toxin presented. So Brett stepped up and went and filed a report at the police station in New Plymouth and lodged a case in the High Court. He and a large group of supporters, including the vaccine-injured Casey Hodgkinson and her mum Anna, gathered outside the police station. And then Brett went inside to file what he described as a charge sheet against the then Minister of Health, Andrew Little. He called for the police to arrest Andrew Little based on the vaccine-linked death of the beloved Rory Nairn. He alleged that Little had breached the Crimes Act by causing death that could have been prevented, saying the COVID-19 Public Health Response Vaccinations Amendment Bill was in breach of the Bill of Rights Act and the Crimes Act. Brett called for the High Court to therefore order that all COVID-19 instructions, orders and legislation from the Minister's response to the pandemic be rescinded and repealed, and also for the revocation of all COVID-related legislation and rules, as well as the dissolution of the government by the Governor-General. He does name low. And it was a perfectly reasonable request in the light of the fact that he had discovered ample evidence to suggest that our government was engaged in deliberate mass murder. Once Brett had finished filing his report and had the police report number firmly in his grasp, he and his group of supporters followed the visit to the police station with a visit to the Daily Mail offices down the road to confront the betrayals of our mainstream media. They had no interest in transparency or accountability though and locked their doors when they heard he was on his way. And unsurprisingly, the police did not arrest Andrew Little either and the court also threw out Brett's complaint with a judge deeming it quote, meritless, which is a statement that I imagine would have been considerably painful for Rory's family to hear. 
So, fast forward again to one week later, and Brett appeared in front of the steps of the beehive with a little red suitcase in his hand. I'll let Brett take the story from there. Let me introduce you to the intrepid, audaciously bold Brett Power. Hi Brett, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, well, thank you for, for having me here. So please, tell us, what was going on there on the steps of the beehive? What were you attempting to do? And what was in that little red suitcase, Brett? Yeah, I was on those steps to serve legal documentation against uh, the health minister, Andrew James Little. And I was serving documentation for culpable manslaughter mm-hmm. because I actually had with me um, the coroner's report for a victim of the serum, you know, a 28-year-old uh, man from Dunedin who was totally healthy and he'd had the shot and then he, he had a massive heart attack and um, and so that was the evidence, you know, of the crime happening. We had a coroner's report and the coroner linked at Rory James Nan, 28-year-old here from Dunedin. Mm-hmm. He died and he shouldn't have died, but that was why I was there. That was the evidence I had from the coroner. He died and it was linked to the injection of the serum. You were wanting to deliver that to who? Andrew James Little. Right. Yeah, he was the uh, defendant. Um, Yes, I was hoping to serve the documents on them because you have to serve the documents on them. So I was going to his place of work where he was on the day um, in Parliament behind that blockade passing legislation um, that maybe we should all know about because Mm, we should have the right to be there in a Parliament that's open, shouldn't we? Well, yes, we do have that right, yeah. So did the police actually have any right to block your thoroughfare to Parliament? I know you'd been asking for them to show you the written authority for, you know, proof that they'd been authorised to prevent you from exercising your legal right here for several hours. I believe you'd been asking them. So did they front up with that proof of authority, Brett? No, nothing at all. They had no paperwork. And that's what came out in, as we know, in the court case, you know, on the cross-examination of the six police sergeants. None of them had any paperwork at any stage of that trial. All they had was hearsay that they had the right to stop people um, because the speaker had said so. But but, but hearsay is not sufficient as proof of... No, it's you. not. You right. have to have written authority. Police mm. have to have written authority to act. They must act on a complaint or an instruction. So I was asking for that instruction and none came to the... None was presented at all by any of them. And again, I was just serving legal documents. Um, I'd been to the New Plymouth Police Station five days earlier, got an official police investigation number after having a three-hour meeting with the senior police and the senior investigators. We presented enough evidence there that some serious harm was, was happening. And so they gave us an investigation number. And when I went to Wellington, I told the police that, that I came here with uh, the legal documents which had been lodged in the High Court against Minister Little, and the fees had been paid and the registry had accepted them. So all I had to do was serve them, but unfortunately I never got to do that, and I never got to read what was in those statement of claim, which was really disappointing, you know, all the work that I'd done. So it was a great thing when I got to court here because uh, we were able to read uh, the reasons why I was doing what I was doing. Mm. And so the police told you that they were under instruction from the Speaker of the House to prevent your thoroughfare. But from what you've told me, the Speaker doesn't actually have the authority to make such an order, does he? Well, no, not under the Parliament Services Act, Parliamentary Services Act 2000. There's only one section 26 there which gives the powers to the speaker and the only powers that are given are to trespass um, problematic protesters off uh, the grounds. That's the only power that he can give to the police. If there is some other power, then where is the written authority, you know, that that occurred? They didn't bring that written authority to the court. Do you think that's why they no, brought they along just, six police, you know, to like bolster their presence to make up for their lack of authority yep, to do what they did? It was all a bluff. Because you could see that none of the statements that they made, well, on cross-examination, they couldn't remember what they said because it didn't make any sense when you showed the video of what happened. Right. They just created, they got six policemen to fabricate 
you know, statements that I was swearing and being violent and inciting the crowd. And I did exactly the opposite. Yeah, and another way they tried to justify their actions was to say that Parliament wasn't open that day in a cloudy kind of way that they said that. Uh, but you've since discovered from the online Hansard records that they were working hard in there and that there was actually an extraordinary amount of bills passed that very same day. Minister Little was the first speaker to make presentations over Treaty of Waitangi settlements. Now, why is that being made behind closed doors? Why were all those bills being made behind closed doors? And they said it was closed. Yep, so... that's what they said in the court. But it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. Anyone can go to the Hansard uh, records and check February the 9th, 2022, and you'll see there listed all the legislation that was being pushed through while no one was there in the parliament. Not very democratic, is it? But anyway, you attempted to walk up the steps and then they arrested you and charged you with... Disorderly behaviour inciting violence. What a joke. And trespassed you from Parliament. Anyway, we're going to talk about the court case that just concluded very recently, which was, of course, as a result of this altercation. We'll be listening to some leaked audio from that court case momentarily. But before we do, could you explain what's going on in this video, Brett? This is from one month later after the arrest on the steps, I believe. And again, at Parliament. Yeah, this was uh, later in March 2022 and there were no protests in the parliament and the parliamentary grounds were open and i was just reminiscing you could say walking through there and um yeah i looked up and saw six policemen on the running down to greet me and they just threw me in the cells yeah and that's what was thrown out of court by judge milk you know? like um still you have to go through the process of being arrested and um I was happy to do that, you know, as I said in the court, I was happy to be arrested that day. In fact, I preferred, I think the movement would have been way better if we had passively resisted and got arrested. 500 people had just gone up there, would have choked the whole thing and got our cases to the court. And not oh, absolutely. Fight. I so agree with you there. Uh, but in regards to that arrest there, I understand that you were trespassed from Parliament buildings, but they kind of modified that to... That's what uh, they did, yep. ...retrospectively changed it so they could arrest you on Parliament grounds. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but unfortunately for them, you're a man who knows his way around a courtroom. That was evident in your display of knowledge and your application of the law in the audio of that hearing. You're not a lawyer. But you've obviously taken it on yourself to learn the law in order to be able to fight this corruption effectively. Like you're saying, if we're prepared to face the inconvenience, the potential fines, then being taken to court can be a good thing as long as we know the law or know someone thing. can support us in that. As you demonstrated so well for us, being tried in a court of law can provide a powerful forum to publicly present evidence against our government. Well, I don't think you get yeah. any better. Like you can yeah. jump on a soapbox or stand on a corner or put a social media comment out. But if you're prepared to go through the legal process, you know, and face the financial consequences, you must be pretty serious about what you're doing. You know, you can put them in the examine people. That's such an important point, you know, like, that's what I was trying to encourage people at the protests to do. If, say, 500 people had said, hey, you know, I am prepared to passively get arrested, you know, and then get into the court and then, you know, have it there, that's a lot better outcome than confronting them, you know, and getting in a violent situation where everyone gets bashed. I think I mentioned, yes. you know, that the seriousness of this charge and seriousness of this event, it's not a minor event like, I think I said painting the parliament. This is about the death of thousands of innocent people and about the maiming of thousands of innocent people. Mm. And it's continuing and it's becoming very obvious. So Very obvious. And you're right. You couldn't get more important than what this is about. And at this stage in the deep states game, what have we got to lose? They're coming for our money and for our property anyway. They're coming for us on so many different angles. It's a really dire situation. So uh, if we can get in there, present evidence, make them look at it, you know, do whatever we can. I mean, we have to start somewhere. <laughs> this court case that we just came from was great because mm. 
I was able to read the reasons why, what was in the statement of claim, and that was able to show in a court the severity, you know, of this this claim being yes. of murder yeah. and death, and it's happening now. Now, I heard you say in court, Brett, my mission was never about the mandates. It was always about the murder. Honestly, I wanted to pump my fist in the air when I heard that. I was like, thank you. I've been saying that since the start. We were dictated to during the protest that our message was solely about the mandates and that Labour must go. That was the beginning and end of it, we were told. A lot of people left, Yes, they did leave. It just extinguished the resistance by design. It should never have been purely about whether you could get into a cafe or not. That was not my fight. Never. It should have been about the fact that we were being lied to by our government on a grand scale. That genocide was afoot. That innocent people were being mass murdered, harmed irreparably and rendered infertile. But we were always stopped short of talking well, about the real stuff and the global extent. So it was just wonderful to hear you bring those things out in a courtroom, I've got to say. Yeah, well, I was glad to be able to say that in the courtroom because it's the honest truth. And this is from data from governments themselves. So it's not our data. We don't need to argue about the validity of it. It's government data, New Zealand government data about increased overall excess deaths is is very, exactly parallel in all the other countries that have had the serum. That's when all the excess deaths started. And that's when we were witnessing embalming people finding, you know, in the embalmed blood of people who had had the shots, contamination, you know, stringing material never seen before, plotting all through the heart. That was what the coroner said about Rory James Nan. He was perfectly healthy, 28-year-old, never did any um, drugs or drink. He was a healthy young guy, but his heart was clogged with this material. And the other problem, you see, how they hid this was the government changed the Coroner's Act so that there's no coroners going around and doing autopsies anymore. I think we've gone from 300 a year to maybe five a year. That is a deliberate attempt to hide what's obvious and what's been seen by the funeral directors and what's in the clinical trials, you know, what's in the evidence that's shown in the corruption. It's all there because Pfizer actually observed all these bad effects in their records, but they hid them. They recategorized them and put them in other databases that didn't go to the regulatory authorities. Blatant, huh? It's just like how Medsafe stopped publishing their COVID vaccine adverse event reports back in November 22, just hiding the data once the numbers started to skyrocket. And even with the crystal clear autopsy report for Rory Nairn, deemed a COVID vaccine directly related to the serum. Yep. The judge still dismissed your complaint, which was made based on that report, calling it meritless. That must have been a painful word for Rory's family to hear. Well, you know that they did that a day after I attempted to serve the documents shows they were trying to hide the evidence that was in that statement of claim. It's pretty blatant evidence. Um, And the evidence is that Pfizer knew of all these terrible side effects, all these effects on pregnant women, all these, there were 2000 different diseases they observed, you know, in the three months post when they released it to the world, they had 185,000 adverse reports come in, you know, in the first three months, and they just reclassified them. Um, This is research these days, you know, you can get the result you want if you're prepared to manipulate the evidence which is shown up in the clinical trials if you go through it, as I have laid out in the court. This is the fraud that they did. This is how they changed. It's all there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 And Pfizer received the largest criminal fine in history for healthcare fraud just a few years before, $2.3 billion for goodness sake. And now people are dying in droves from their latest product. There's clear fraud in the clinical trials documents, coroner's reports to verify. The judge who dismissed your case is complicit in mass murder. He's got blood on his hands and on his lips when he called it meritless, as far as I'm concerned anyway. But even though the judge in this recent case declared you guilty, I do see some significant victory was had here. 
I mean, at one point when you asked if you could explain why you went up the, the steps and what was in your red suitcase, he said he didn't need to hear that, called it irrelevant, but you said, no, it's pertinent to my case. You respectfully said that if this was another case, then the defendant would have the right to present what they believe validated their actions. And then you eloquently moved from that to getting down to what this was really about. So let's now listen to that piece of the audio from the court case. And by the way, the recording was from a phone in someone's pocket, so there's a little bit of noise here and there. Okay. I think that um, the court should hear exactly what propelled me to take the action that I did, because that's why I was going up the stairs. And if I was being charged for any other charge, I think a defendant has a right to show the court, well, what, what validated your actions? That's why I would like to read to the court what I was presenting to the public, which was, this was not a minor case. This was a case where I had obtained all the clinical trials from Pfizer and all the confidential information. And I had spent two months going through those documents. And I'm a professional engineer who, that's what I do for a living. I go through documents and find mistakes in them. So. I was well qualified to go through the Pfizer clinical trials documents and when I did, I was completely shocked by the huge evidence of corruption that Pfizer had shown in their documents, in their clinical trials, which I have a copy here, 146 page document of the clinical trial. So I discovered just endless fraud in the documents just beyond any doubt, the fabrication of evidence and the hiding of all the serious adverse events and effects that Pfizer had witnessed themselves and they had issued in their documents. So it was so shocking that when I read it, I had a feeling that this will be the, the cause of thousands of people in this country getting seriously injured and also dying. That was the level of my concern. And that concern has been fully justified today because we can easily go now to the statistics two years later and see that in New Zealand and around the world, there has been a 15 to 20% increase in overall deaths recorded through the New Zealand Health Department and all the health departments around the world we have had this massive surge in death. So it's not a, a minor thing that I've done here. I'm not saying, well, we have a problem with the, the color of the paint on the parliament. I'm saying there has been deaths caused, thousands of them, and I'm saying that these deaths could have been avoided if the defendant had bothered to read the information contained in the documents that Pfizer has given. So it's a very serious matter, Your Honor. And that's why I have continued for these three years and I, I hope to serve these documents on all, all the parliamentarians in the near future. I, I hear you as to the sort of essential concern for public safety that you had. Yeah. And I don't know if there's, um, I don't think there's any way to interpret your documents any other way, right? Which is what, as to that you were raising the concerns that you had. Wow, Brett. It sounds like he's agreeing with you there about the documents. I noticed at the start of the day, he seemed a little intolerant of you, but by the end of the day, he was saying things like, I hear you. And what he just said at the very end there, I don't think there's any other way to interpret those documents any other way. That was his words. In regards to the Pfizer documents and your conclusions, and that's a big admission from a judge during court proceedings. After that, what I just said, he allowed me to go on and read what my complaints were in the statement of claim. And I think it was because um, it was a genuine case and he felt, felt that as well. Yep, he had to find me guilty. I mean, there was, there was so much effort went into getting that conviction. Um, they had a whole team, you know, 10 people working on that. Jeez. 10 people because a guy tried to deliver some papers up to Parliament? <laughs> That's taxpayer money well spent, isn't it? <laughs> Let's continue listening as you speak about the events that occurred as a result of that day in the next audio clip. Yep. 
the ramifications of this police stopping me going to serve those papers was that Justice Quinn, a day later, on the 10th of February, dismissed my application. And that is without due legal process because, as you know, when a statement of claim is served, a statement of defence is required. And no statement of claim was ever served. And so no statement of defence was ever made. And that was the fall down in the legal process because a judge should wait for the statement of defence before making his judgment. Yeah, true. I don't know how absurd is that? What a court. Don't even it's get a statement of defence. My right you know. when the police stopped me serving those documents. So they've affected all this action, all this court action, and in my view, they've contributed to the continual death and severe injury that thousands of people in New Zealand are now wearing, and we are validating through the data that's been given to us from the Ministry of Health that we now have 6,000 extra deaths a year above the average before this program was rolled out, that 6,000 extra New Zealanders are dying every year. Those are the statistics. I turn them as a matter of murder because in the Crimes Act, as you know, there's a charge that a death that could be avoided if you have created yes. a death and, and could have been avoided, well, that's a crime under the, under the Crimes Act. And that's what these people have done because if they had read these documents so as I have, or they had listened to their own data that they were generating from the New Zealand Health Department, it would be obvious that something severely wrong is happening here in this country and around the world. And that all ties in not with the arrival of COVID, but this huge incidence and rise of death and every aspect of disease that's recorded. It happened when the injection started being administered, we saw this dramatic increase in deaths. And that's the truth of the matter. I thought Justice Gwen, he actually did a very good job of summarising you know, my concerns, but then he never addressed any of those concerns. There is a page here, Your Honour, of, he, he's put my concerns there, and if I could just read one page of it. In general terms, Mr Powers' complaints, so far as I can discern them, are that the defendant has relied on falsified information taken from what are alleged to have been fraudulent clinical trials of the vaccine in order to pass COVID legislation. Mr Powers also pleads that the vaccine is not a traditional vaccine, it is a genetic altering serum which does not give lasting immunity. It has been falsely marketed as a vaccine. It is a medical device. These pleadings give rise to the allegations of a breach of Section 111 of the Crimes Act. Section 111 relates to false statements and declarations. In addition, Mr Powell pleads the data recorded by MedSafe New Zealand shows that the number of pregnant women received the vaccine have had spontaneous abortions or miscarriages as a result of receiving it. Mr Power characterises those events as murder and says they could have been avoided if the defendant had read the Pfizer clinical trial reports or the MedSafe reports and taken the advice that Pfizer gave, which was not to give people additional shots if they had had a reaction. So the government did not read those the advice from Pfizer, and they insisted that people should continue taking the shots even if they had adverse reactions. And finally, he said, the claim in relation to the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act appears to be that it has been overridden by the enactment of COVID-19 legislation. So in, in that paper there, there's, a, there's an awful lot of other damning evidence in this clinical trial of total fraud. And it makes for a really interesting read if you, you get that chance to read it, because I will be presenting that information again in serving that document on hopefully all those MPs in a class action. So good. Just so good to hear those statistics, who are, who are not statistics, but real people, read out in a courtroom. You know, it made the prosecution's attempts to frame you as insightful for wanting these things addressed look not only weak, but shameful. Well done. Hey, well, I'm thankful to the judge for giving me the chance to do that. You know, we've got to... Yeah. So he uh, was empathetic, and yeah, it was a, it was it was the whole idea get it into a court, you know, and it's a serious stuff, and 
just at the end there, it's not over. You know, I am working with other people on that class action. Excellent. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm keen to hear about that. But I just want to talk about their attempt to pin you with inciting violence for a second. You made it very clear that what you were doing that day, you were doing by yourself, urging the crowd to be peaceful, actively encouraging people not to resist arrest if it came to that. And you yourself didn't resist arrest, of course. So let's have a little look at the actual push and shove, which is something that the judge said that you were leading. And then we'll, well to- I did take a step. I admitted that I had yeah. to. That's what I was doing. You know? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we'll have a look at that and then we'll listen to your testimony around this. I just asked the police here if they can show me the paperwork that sets out why we can't go up to our own parliament on a parliament day. Oh, and I'm still waiting. Is there any police there who have the paperwork why the, the people can't go up to their own parliament today? Because we're waiting for it. I'm waiting. Now, while I'm waiting, I want you to know this is in the spirit of peace. Right? We don't need to break the law. The law is on our side, so we will remain within the law. I'm about to go up here to serve these papers on Andrew Little. I have the documents from the New Plymouth Police. Accepted my charge sheet against them. Now, I have to go up to these steps, and I'm going to do this peacefully. And if I am arrested, then I will not resist arrest. And I'm not telling anyone what to do here today. I leave it to your choice what you want to do, but whatever it is, it must be peaceful. If you are arrested, then don't resist arrest, because the police are just doing their job. We're all in this together. Remember? We're one people. Jacinda is wrong. We are not divided. Freedom and Rights Coalition telling everyone to sit down and shut up. Oh, mate, that's out the gate. It's Destiny Church for you, eh? Yeah. They were there to shut it down, mate. I know, they were. I've been trying to say that. I actually had to, um, I had to think I had to push past at least five people when I was going to serve those papers. Five people, Destiny Church people, some of them were two, in groups of two and three, came to me and said, you can't do this. Really? And I said, get the fuck out of my way. I'm fucking doing it. <laughs> That's get why the I got... out of my way. Good on you. Oh, the controlling was just off the charts. They were the ones who told us that we were there only about the mandates, nothing else. And don't you forget it. And then yeah, it the, was. No, and the demanding in that clip that everyone just get back down the stairs, sit down and not to leak your actions, fighting for some justice for Rory and other victims and protecting future victims, spoil what we came oh for. My like, God. What a disgusting thing to say. That it is was, what we were there it was. for. To stand up to this corrupt government. Well, Marley would have said, get up, stand up for your rights. Exactly. Not sit down. Not sit down. Yeah. He that's was a reverse guess, Bob Marley. <laughs> a reverse Bob Marley. <laughs> it's just, you know, yet another example of them doing the government's bidding, controlled opposition. Well, that's really what they are yeah. i mean and that's a good example of it on that yeah, day yeah it is a good example i was astounded when i heard that i never noticed because i was all the way but later on I, I heard it and it was like what are you doing you know yeah why are you being like that you know yeah are you trying to shut everything down yeah shut effect anything effective down yeah 
and it wasn't the first time they tried yep. to shut it all down. Anyway, let's get back to the Cordero, Brett. Um, let's listen to your testimony about how you were there yep. to do this on your own and how you weren't inciting others. Okay, I went there on my own accord, and I think it's quite clear that I instructed no one to go up there other than myself. If anyone else was going to go up there, they were going on their own. I was there to do my task, which I had been focused on for probably four months leading up to the state, preparing that case, going to the High Court, submitting the documents. It wasn't a random event. No, um, it wasn't a random event. That's why I was there, to serve those papers. That was it. I wasn't there because of the mandates. That's what my mission was, and I went down there to do that. That's what I was doing, serving those legal documents, which I was fully entitled to do. Well, wasn't I? you weren't entitled to push through the police, were you? I think I was because they had no, shown no legal authority to stop me going up there. Do you have any legal authority to push through the police? Uh, yes, I have the right of free passage. No police can come and just tell me to not go somewhere unless they have some authority to do that. I've asked all day, where was the authority from the police? Where was the written authority that you had to set up that barricade and stop me going up there? And I'm still waiting. You addressed the crowd, you said, I'm going to serve some papers. You turned around and you said, I'm going first. Do yeah. you agree? And I was. I You're was going, going first. first. And the implication there is that everyone else follows Well, no, it's not. It's up to them. I said specifically to the people in the crowd, I said, I'm doing this on my own. Yes. Anything that you may do, that's up to you. But you, when you were talking, you could see that they were engaged with what you were saying. And, um, no, they, they, were, they were supporting me. That's they why they were chanting, let him through. Yes. And what a powerful chant that was. Then they played it right there in the courtroom. I've got to say, this chant moves me. I feel it when I listen to it. Uh, those people knew that you were holding evidence of mass murder, past and future, and they were incensed that the police, who are supposed to work for us and represent us, would not allow that evidence to be delivered. This is the raw sound of people fighting for their children's futures. Let's listen as they play that chant in the courtroom. shout out to the two guys that supported you here both who just stepped up at the time saying they wanted to support you this guy here the wonderful Shane who ended up holding your red suitcase so that you could raise your hands up in a clear declaration of non-violence and who ended up getting arrested for god knows what and a third mystery man who stayed beside you the whole time saying he just wanted to support you tell us what happened to these two brave men for standing up and supporting you that way well they both got arrested as I did and they accepted the charges, so they, they paid the penalties, the fines. They physically paid for it too, because we were the first people arrested on the steps, and News Hub ran yeah, a photo of a close-up of me looking very ugly and contorted. That's because I they had handcuffed me and dug the handcuffs in my wrists and then pulled my arms up behind me. That's when they took, showed it, the photo for News Hub. Shane was roughed up. But the third guy, he came through, he was on the ground and he got, yeah, he got trampled on and severely injured. And I don't think he was even allowed hospital treatment as a lot of the people that were violently assaulted by the police were turned away by the medical authorities is wow. not having, yeah, you, you know, the serum. You mentioned that he was taken away and beaten behind the scenes and barely able to walk for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, many, many, People, there were hundreds, literally hundreds of people who had broken fingers, broken sternums, broken arms, and many other injuries. And that was on old people, young people, women and men. So Just here were the police yep. taking me for violent, creating violence, and look what they did. Exactly. They were the ones that should have been prosecuted, and they haven't been by the police authorities 
Um, yet, I don't know of any prosecution, and yet there were so many injured, severely injured protests. Well, actually, I did just hear that the woman that police dragged by her hair, Laura, uh, who was, was awarded just under six grand, not for the assault on her, but as compensation uh, for legal fees that were caused by a police botch-up, which I don't believe was a botch-up. It looks like it was actually an attempt to cover for a fellow officer. That was just in the last few days, but that's the only one I've heard. I mean, it's incredible. We saw the most heinous criminal police brutality at Parliament. Broken bones, like you said, absolute disregard for whether they were elderly, women, young, just being beaten mercilessly. They were, they were young and brutal, um, these guys. They weren't your standard police. A lot of them were trainees and imports from other areas. They came from all different areas. And um, yeah, they must have been instructed to, to brutalize the protesters. A bit like in Canada, same oh, thing. Yeah, all over Canberra, Melbourne, whoa. Yep. Oh my gosh. So here was the irony of, you know, me being taken to court for violence, and yet hundreds and hundreds of people were brutalized by the police and nothing happened. Yeah, and you were simply trying to walk deliver court documents as per your legal right to do so and you're convicted of inciting violence. There's no trying to meet a pathway of conciliation or you know what can we no. do about the situation. Just no we'll just meet it with brutality and mm. force. And that they did. <laughs> it's a level of violence that the police are modelling and that well the police when I say the police the enforcement crew hired by the corporation and that governments all over the world are more than approving of. We're seeing it in other arenas like BLM and, and reproducing itself in the people. We see it in the LGBTQ aggression, in the Stop Co-Governance Tour. You can see that people are emboldened. You know, if the police can get away with this, why can't we? Uh, there's actually a moment in this final clip that we're about to listen to where the prosecutor has the nerve to say, I suggest to you that you are not acting very peacefully, Mr Powers. You know, I mean, in the light of all the p police brutality that you witnessed and suffered, I'm amazed at how calm you stayed. I would have been like, I'll show you not acting peacefully. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's just have a listen to that last piece of audio recording, your passionate and compelling summary. You know that you have the support of the crowd, but you still push through the police. Isn't that correct? I had the weight of thousands, the murders and death of thousands of people on my mind. Who wouldn't push through in that circumstance? Would and you turn you around? To, and you I would do, I would go to jail as I have. I've been put in jail prior to coming down here for no reason at all. Served seven days in Whanganui prison, no charges on me. I am prepared to do that. I'm prepared to go to jail for however long because this death and destruction that's going on cannot be ignored forever. When I push through, I push through on my own. But you just said earlier... People were behind me, the masses were there, and I think... Moral support. You know, I admitted, you Thank can see on there, I took the first step. After talking to them for how long? I'm coming through, I, after asking them, have you got authority to stop me? I asked them for 15 minutes, nobody came and gave me any authority that about, I couldn't do what I was doing. This is about what the police did. This is about what you did. This is about you talking to an audience, turning around with their support. Is that a crime, to talk to an audience? We heard you say a lot that you just want to be there peacefully. Is that correct? I, I totally believe in uh, not breaking the law and acting peaceably, never showing any violence. Yeah. So, I put it to you that that wasn't very peaceful of you. Pardon? I put it to you. I, 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 I say to you that that wasn't very peaceful. No, it was peaceful. With my hands in the air, I never struck anyone. I got pushed around. I was on my way. You're going to stop me? Okay. You know, I won't resist arrest. I'll, I'll go and we'll talk about it in the court. So I was peaceful. Prosecution here has said that there was no relevance to the charge today about what I was doing, but I think it is very relevant that I was acting within the law. I wanted to come here to the court to present this evidence that I have that we're in the middle of a massive, incredible scenario of thousands of people in New Zealand dying 
above the norm, thousands of people having cancers and diseases, every disease you could imagine. It's just a matter of time until I think we'll get some recognition on that and then maybe I'll be validated one day for doing what I did. Yes, you will. I had to do this, you know. I know, I know the corruption that Pfizer did on this country and the innocent people. that uh, have been dealt to. Excuse me. Um, sorry if I'm affected by that, but I know this. And um, I have to look at that. Um, but I know that it will come out. So um, that's why I did what I did. So good, Brett. I know that you have said that what you did, you did on your own, and I get that. Uh, but I know that deep down, what you did, you did for everyone especially for the children, the next generation, for their future. It takes a big heart, a very unselfish heart to do what you did. Thank you for getting in there and saying those things, Brett. Hey, well, I'm glad I, I got the opportunity to say them. And everything that I was doing that day, you can see now that it's happened, those deaths. Absolutely. We've got the body count now to back it all up. Yep. Got the body count now. Got the proof. Yeah. Anyway, to finish the story off, the judge went on to convict you. I mean, he had to. Boss told him, you know, like you said, found you guilty of disorderly conduct, create, creating violence, whatever. Called you a catalyst for something that could have happened. So you were, in a sense, held responsible and punished for for the p potential actions of others, actions that never actually eventuated anyway, there was no violence, no injury, unlike the horrendous injuries that the police have inflicted on non-violent protesters. It all seems egregiously hypocritical to this. <laughs> yep. The sentence, however, after all the time and resources and money that the prosecution put into this was only a $500 fine, which makes me think again, the judge did hear you and was impacted by the truth of your testimony. I know you've got lots bigger fish to fry, but are you going to appeal this decision? I'd really like to. Um, as you know, I've got other court cases right on my case because when you do this, the government come and try and take all your assets and away from you. So I've got cases mm. right now. Hopefully I can yeah, get up the energy to put that together and, mm. and do it. Uh, I'm aware how hard they've been hitting you in other areas. It's rough. Obviously, don't like you uh, or people who take action like you do. Anyway, uh, no surprises, but there was no mainstream media coverage in the courtroom. Uh, no. <laughs> no, funny that. But a little surprisingly, there wasn't even one article to be found on the internet covering this case. Not one. Looks like they know they've got something to hide here. But... They, have, they have a lot to hide. It's so much. It's incredible. Um, and the media are complicit in this. You know, the media are complicit in these murder charges. The $55 million public interest journalism fund is certainly helping nicely with that complicity, uh, quite yeah. nicely. Uh, so will you be moving forward in your efforts to bring indictments to all MPs involved in these fake vaccine murders and to our government yep. for not acting well, on the revelations from Pfizer? Absolutely. You've got to not stop. You've got to keep going. And that's what I've done. You know, it's been a long road through here pretty much by myself a lot of the time. Um, but now, you know, getting a bit more support. You have to gather the people in support. And I learned that when I have been doing court cases and no people turned up to support me. What happens is the judges just do what they want if there's yeah. no witnesses. Right. We've got to support each other and we are behind you. But like you said, we've actually got to turn up for each other. I'm aware too that you're a powerful force in the 1080 poisoning arena and maybe that's something we can talk about another time because your findings there are also very damning. You're a true activist, patiently, persistently fighting the good fight on a daily basis. 
So to anyone watching this video, I've created a Buy Me A Coffee page to raise the money to cover Brett's $500 fine just to help him out. I don't know what his financial situation is like. I haven't well, asked. I'm kept pretty <laughs> poor by the circumstances of yes. what the government does. Yes, I kind of figured as much. But really more than that, it's just that it would be fitting, really fitting for us to show our gratitude for the stand that you took that day and for many others that you've taken before and after that day. And so that the next time someone is considering making a stand and sticking their neck out, they can know that we as a family will have each other's backs and are ready to help each other out in whichever way we can. Some can't do what you did, Brett, you know, single no. parents of young children. Yep, that's um, it. Yep, but can't get dragged off to the cells, but we can all help each other in some way and contribute to us becoming a real resistance. So, Absolutely. so I'll leave that link down below. Uh, don't worry, the only bank account loaded into that will be Brett's and I'll close the page once it reaches 500. So it won't be going to 500,000. Sorry about that, Brett. <laughs> hey, I appreciate any help, eh? That's fantastic. Yeah. No worries at all. Uh, you've represented yourself in court, but there may be others who don't feel confident to do that. Uh, and that might be what prevents them from standing up when they need to. So we can find ways to overcome any obstacle together. We've got nothing to lose at this point. So well said. We have nothing to lose. That's right. And we have to do this and we have to make this happen real soon. And maybe this can inspire someone to take a court action, you know, somewhere else. That's right. Uh, and the trickle will become a tidal wave. That's what we it hope will. for. You know, our police stations, our media offices, our councils, our school meetings, our drag time story hours, our, our streets, our social media, doctor's rooms, hospitals, and of course, our courts. Let's flood them with truth, with bold testimony, with facts and data, like you've given us an example of, you know, so much truth beyond what they can contain. We got to start somewhere. Or bring yeah. a little bit. Hey, only a little hole in the damn wall can bring the damn wall down. Start with a little hole. Exactly. That's a great metaphor for this. Let's bring the damn down. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up here, Brett? Just that this is critical now that we do stuff now because we're actually in the middle of this great oppression that's speeding up. So we've got to focus on stopping this and have a vision that it will be stopped. Yes. You know? And I can believe that it will be stopped because the evidence is clearly yeah. there. Um, we've just got to get into the debate and have people wake up. And I think they will. And they may not have been ready to wake up yet, but they will come to a point where they will be ready to wake up and we'll have this mass awakening of the lies we've been told. And then we can get on, you know, and get the solutions. I love that you've touched on having faith and not allowing despondency to set in. It's the old, if you can't get them through deception, get them through despondency. They don't care how they get us to surrender. If we're, Absolutely. We're and get we were through deceived, despondency. Then they'll try to get us through despondency. We can't allow that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see the vision of it coming out, you know, to the people real quick. And it's being stopped. That's mm -hmm. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're an inspiration, and I know that you're going to inspire others from hearing your story today. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us today. Hey, thank you. Okay, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> See you, mate. See you, Brett. Thank you. Bye. Counterspinmedia.com.